0: welcome to new life miami and thanks for listening to our podcast we hope this word blesses you today for more information visit nlmiami.com we hope to see you soon and remember I felt the love back. It's good to see you too. What's wrong with you people? You're rude. It's so good to see you guys. <laughs> well, we were, we were hoping that someone else would preach today. Uh, you got me. Deal with it. But it's still so good to see you. Anyone have anything to share? It's dangerous when I do that. Yeah, come on, come on, stand up. You don't need a mic, right? It's so good to see you and hear you. It's so good to hear you today, too. Anyone else has anything they need to share? Hallelujah. No one? Someone's burning. Man, should I do it? That was my chance. All right. Anyone have a testimony, a prayer request, something that you feel like you want to lift up? So good. You guys are all good. Amen. I'm going to come up to the altar today, and I want all of you to lay hands on me. And pray for me, Amen. My sister. Okay, man. They're here. The books are here. Oh, give me that. Give me one of those. That's so good. Who wrote this book? <laughs> That's great, awesome. Oh, but it's Christian. That's what I mean. Okay, good, good, good. Thirty prayers for law enforcement. This is awesome. She's married to a police officer, um, and he's my cousin too. And and, and um, praise God. And she has a burden in her heart to pray and, and hear for our church for everyone who's in law enforcement. So she brought some books, and um, she's willing to give them out. It's a little thirty devotionals, thirty day devotionals, little prayers for for. Um, police officers and stuff like that so that'll be awesome. So make sure you come and see her. Amen. Amen. Uh, come on, that's awesome, man. Thank you. So good. You. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I want to start off by 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 pretty much my our message today is changed because I was going to share um responding looks like rejection today. It was part 3 of the ongoing. I don't even know what part it was. It was one of the next ones, but we are going to continue on responding, looks like. And, and um, <clears throat> Wednesday, I was going to share what was a thought of our mission statement. And then it became, um, it was burning in me, and, and, um, and I had to fly out of here on Wednesday. Thank many of you for your prayers, as Nancy's father is doing well. We had to rush him to the hospital, but he's home and he's good. So I had to fly out of here and, and go be with the family. Um, but with that said, um, I felt like God wanted me to still share this, so I'm going to share it today, and if God wants us next um, next Sunday, we'll talk about responding looks like, who cares, right? If we're alive, will you be here? I'll be here, let's <laughs> say. All right, we'll get into it, and um, responding looks like um, rejection, but but I want to share a mission statement with you guys. Does anyone know our mission statement by heart? Does anyone know it by heart? Know it by heart? You could just say, well, I know what it is. This is what it is, and I see some nodding heads, but you do you want to say it? Do you want to say it? I knew Lisette would know it. Lisette is uh, an (laughs) all-star disciple here. To ignite an authentic love for God and people. So good. To ignite an authentic, you should write that down if you didn't know what the mission statement was here. To ignite an authentic love for God and people. And there it is for you, to ignite an authentic love for God and people. We got that a while back, actually. A while back. We, We... we met together, the leaders, and, and sharing our hearts, and, and we threw together this mission statement that necessarily, I don't know if when we did this some years back, we really understood what we were writing. We, we had an idea. But as the week was going on, and I was looking at this mission statement, it really began to um, become alive in me. And... Um, As if the Lord began to give our mission statement purpose to me in a way that it had never had purpose in me. And I hope it does the same thing today for you. If not, leave here knowing that it's so good to see you. (laughs) And that's all I have to say. But to ignite an authentic love for God in people. And and I'm going to go back to that a lot because pretty much that's where our message is geared on today in a sense. And you'll see what I'm talking about. But we've been, we've been having conversation here for some time and, and, and we've been dialoguing whether privately in the corners, in the parking lot, somewhere up here in the altar and private conversations. Or, and we've been also discussing it publicly in our messages, um, what God is throwing in, in our family, in our gatherings here. And it's been special to see some people just grow in this and to see ourselves grow in this. And just thinking about our church and in this notebook and, the, and my other notebooks, there's so many thoughts that I write down throughout the week I, I like to try to write down thoughts because um I forget things rapidly like I, I just forget things by the i mean'm that's my spiritual gift really like i just, <laughs> just think, obviously it's not a spiritual gift but but like automatically you tell me your name i I, I turn and I'm like it's like Dory. A little bit like Dory, just short term, but I have short, long, middle term. And I just forget a lot of things, so I, I have to write some stuff down. And in, a lot of these things you've heard before, and I will um, repeat them. And um, it, it's just a, a, a it's, it's, a lot of these things are, are pretty much thoughts that are, that are really prayers. You've heard me say a lot of things like my prayer for our church lately, I've been saying this, right, has been to bring tears again. And, and, and those are things that you write, but really those are actually Moments with me and God that I pray for, you know? And I, I don't know if one of you have, have had that opportunity of saying, I know what it is to, bring, to cry again and to have tears again in God's presence. I would love for you to come to me today and tell me, because I would love for you to share your testimony of how God is bringing back tears again. Because I believe there might be someone here that needs to hear your tear story. So make sure you speak to me today. I would love to hear that. But we've been, we've been saying a lot of phrases and what our aim is and, and how to grow people. And we know that, that here one of the things that we're saying is it's, our aim is, is to grow people and, and whose validation is not found in, in a position or in how they're used. But that we would measure ourselves in the presence of God. And that I would constantly say this in my mind and my heart deep inside of me. Am I nearer to him today than I was yesterday? That's a that's a. Like, think about that statement. Am I nearer to Him today than I was yesterday? That I'm not so caught up in. In how I can be used or what a position might be, but but what is the greatest thing in my life is my nearness to Him and His nearness to me, and how does that look like? Because I could prepare a message for forty hours and validate that as I'm near to God. Or I could pray to God for 40 minutes and he could give me the same message as the one who prepared it for 40 hours. Nothing's wrong with 40 hours preparing a message, trust me. But, but just so you could know that that's not the only way to hear from God, amen? We don't want to necessarily just build people that, that can preach well, even within these walls. But outside these walls, the gospel isn't permeating. And, and that's a very dangerous thing. People that serve well in this house, but they can't even serve their very own families. That's not who we want to be, you know. We, we've seen that before. My husband does so good there, but at home he stinks. You know? Well, He's failing in, in his first ministry. My wife is so amazing before everyone, but my God, at home, you should see her with, well, she's failing at her first ministry. You guys understand what I'm saying? So we don't want to build this image of something back where it matters. There is no weight, and there is no miracles happening there. Amen. Um, we want to stay away even uh, for a moment, and, and not just constantly or always create activity. And sometimes we could you know, do so much activity that we automatically start naming the ministries. You know, serving this ministry, serving that ministry, and then we have 15 ministries. Um, all So that all of you and all of us can serve. We don't want to just do that so that people can just serve. Though that can happen, and it, there's nothing wrong with that happening. We have ministries that function here. We have just gradually how it happened beautifully. Uh, fire in someone's heart to say, I want to go and serve at the nursing home. And now groups are going with them. That's beautiful. Amen. You know, that's that's a beautiful thing. So we're for that stuff. But we don't want to do things, oh, just so that we can plug in people to serve. We want people automatically to understand what's happening within them, to burn within them and find themselves, we say this here, right, going for it, serving beyond these walls. We want people to serve him. We, we don't want people to serve him yet lacking acts of service and what discipleship is outside of our family. A discipleship is a what? It, it, it is a, does anyone know what kind of student it is? A disciple is a what? A, a student. But what kind of student? Like a disciple of Jesus. Anyone want to give a shot at what do you think it is? A learned student. But, but one of the things that we need to know is that a disciple is a disciplined student. A disciplined student under their teacher. So we don't want just to plug in people just to serve, but then they forget that outside of here, they're also called to serve in a disciplined way in God. It's so important but I'll get into the message. We want to be built up, amen? We want to receive greater revelations. We've been talking a lot about that, of our Lord, of our beloved. And what Tito shared two to three weeks ago, because we're honoring being seated, and he was sharing this in close proximity. We're honoring being seated in the presence of the Lord. We've been preaching here for a long time, Mary and Martha. Martha was so busy serving, and Mary was so caught up seated at his feet and just burning there at his feet. And Martha was so hurt in her heart, like, why hasn't my sister come to help me once? And Jesus is like, what, Martha, you're, you're worried about so many things that you don't need to be worried about Mary's doing right. She's chosen what's correct and it will never be taken away from her. We want to honor honor the position of Mary. And then we don't want to neglect the Mary because most of the times in the church, the one that gets the honor is the Marthas. Wow, you saw how good they serve but have you seen the one that hasn't gotten up from the feet of Jesus and we've so i guess we want to be built up on that rather than wow look what we've created instead of wow look at what God's created there at the feet just keep going we want our family here as to fully experience what this is our mission statement and to live out our mission statement we want us to, and, I, and I, I choose these words carefully, to fully experience, not know it. Lisette, uh, she just quoted it, and that's good, and, and many, maybe many of us could, and, and maybe I even can. But I don't want us to memorize it without experiencing it. That, that what our mission statement is to ignite an authentic love for God in people that I could fully experience living out my mission statement, to ignite an authentic love for God and people. I, I, believe, I believe that the Lord is going to start, is starting and he's going to continue to show us what this mission statement means that he gave us years ago. That maybe we didn't fully understand it back then, but now he wants to take us to a place where, like I say, that we're not just going to memorize it and put it on things and, and, and on screen so that people could just see it, but that also that people could start becoming it. And he's, he's given us this permission. He's granting us this permission of you're able to ignite this authentic love for God and people. I, w- I want to give you some definitions. You should take some notes today. Today's a good Sunday to take notes. I'm going slow for you. And we're just going to talk today. And we'll open up the floor, if anything, if we need to, at, at whatever point. But the word ignite, to ignite an authentic love for God and people, you should write that word ignite down. The word ignite there. For some of us, it's common sense, but every time I read it, it does something in my heart. It does something in my spirit. Because the word ignite means this, to cause fire or to cause to catch fire. And you're like, we know that. When you ignite something, a fire is caused or, or to cause something to catch fire. So, so think about that definition for a moment. To cause fire or to cause to catch fire, ignite. And then you have the word authentic should write this down as well. The word authentic means of undisputed origin, means undisputed. Ignite and authentic. When we came up with those two words, what did they mean back then? But I think we're going to understand, especially after today, what they mean. To ignite an authentic love for God and people. Let's substitute those words. To ignite, to cause fire, or right? To to cause fire or cause to catch fire. Authentic, undisputed, so let's substitute that. Ready? To catch or catch the fire In the undisputed love for God and for people. To cause or to catch fire in this undisputed love for God and for people. And that we would burn in an undisputed love for him. Let's substitute the word authentic. As we substituted the word ignite. To cause or to catch fire in this love, in this undisputed love. Now let's substitute, let's continue to look at authentic into this word Um, Undisputed. The word undisputed, that we would burn in an undisputed love for him. Another way of saying to catch fire is to say that we would burn in this love for him. And what kind of love? An authentic love. What is that? An undisputed love. Can you continue to define that? I will. That we would burn in an undisputed love, that we would burn in an uncontested, undoubted, unchallenged, unequivocal, undeniable, irrefutable, unmistakable love for him. And for people that's what the word authentic means to burn in this in this love that can't be challenged by any other love and wow for the last few months we've been saying there is no love like our lovers love <laughs> There is no love like our lover's love. Because our lover's love, our Lord, is uncontested, undoubted, unchallenged, unequivocal, undeniable, irrefutable, and unmistakable. There is no love like His love. It is this and so much more. It is authentic. It is undisputed. So we want our mission not just to be memorized. We want our mission to be our lifestyle. We want our mission not just to be known, but we want our mission to be what we become. What is that? To have a fire that is what? A fire in his undisputed love, in his authentic love, in his love that cannot be, there's a fire in my heart that can't be contested with any other fire that's in this world. Yes Yes or no? That's our mission statement. Makes so much more sense now that we would burn in this fire, that we would catch a fire, that we would burn for him with a love that can't be contested by by no other. Undisputable, undeniable, unchallenged, irrefutable, unmistakable, authentic love that burns for him. How many of you could say amen? amen? To ignite an authentic love for God and people because you'll never Fully burn for someone if he's not fully burning in you. It'll be um, humanitarian work. But it won't be. Why did you do that? I have no idea. God just put a desire in my heart to serve you. To ignite authentic love for God and people. There is a fire that burns in me that cannot be challenged. For him, and because of that, it's also towards the ones that he loves. It's also for others. For him and for others, for God and for others. Hallelujah. That are that we would, that we would understand that, that we'd become that, and that our reasons as we come together and as we continue to come together, our reason for gathering would be so simple you should actually write this in your notes it would be good to go back maybe 7 months from now and revisit this phrase right here maybe put a star and asterisk and put revisit it in 7 months put the date on it i don't know put a reminder on your phone but that our reason for gathering would be so simple here it is it would be to share in our burning for him that it would be to share Together in this fire that God's put in us. How beautiful does that sound? You've ever been really hungry and you've been around other hungry people? Man, I love when I'm hungry and I'm around hungry people. I'm going to just speak from the heart for a moment. I hate when I'm hungry and I'm around people that eat right. Because I'm like, oh my God. They're not going to want to eat today. Like my pastor Leo is one of those guys. If I'm starving, wrong person to be with. Man doesn't eat. And if he eats, he'll throw lettuce in his mouth or whatever. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just I'm an animal for lettuce. <laughs> Come on, let's, let's meet halfway, you know. But have you ever been around, like, you're, you're just hungry. You're hangry. And, and in the midst of that hunger, when you get around other hungry people, it's, it's great because you know it's going down. <laughs> All you got to say is, Anyone hungry? I mean, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we should just order pizza. Yeah, I'm thinking like five boxes, pepperoni, meat lover. I mean, it just starts clicking off. Click, 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 click. And everyone just goes off. You're like, yeah, oh, and then you're just the happiest person. Like, I'm going to eat. I'm amongst hungry people. But, but if you've ever been around people that just, ah, you know, they just don't eat a lot. You just don't, ah. you, you know, you kind of have to play the role with them. You're like, ah, I don't. Want, you know, the Bible says don't be a stumbling block for them. <laughs> I feel <wrong. laughs> your brother doesn't eat that don't eat it and you're starving but when you gather around people (laughs) that you know could take it down with you it makes lunch pretty good and I and I want to use that example because I want us to come over here and, and look at breakfast and lunch together here in the spiritual sense and and when we meet at night we could call that dinner if you want but I would love for that to be revisited and say when we're gathering are we sharing in our hunger for him? Are we sharing in our burning? Because if I come here with you all, I'm, I don't want to be like, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. Are you hungry? And you're like, no, I, I didn't even want to be here. And that's fine. We want you to keep coming because we, we hope that you're, I don't want to be here. It becomes like there's no place I'd rather be. But that 10 years on the line, you're still not saying, I kind of still don't like any of you. <laughs> you know, like what? What <laughs> the heck's wrong with you guys? But that when we get together and we slap each other, like, hey, are you hungry? And like, yeah, come on, let's get into the presence. Let's eat together. Let's burn together. That our gatherings would be sharing in our hunger and sharing in our burning. That not one is starving and the other one over there is anorexic and is not eating the thing in God's feast, and God's table. We want us all to come together and come to the meal place where the Lord is serving us food and say, come on. The meal has been served. Who's running to the table to eat? And all of us in unison say, a roar that comes deep within our belly says, we are. And it's like you savages, you know. It's just a bunch of savages just running to the feast that the Lord is calling you to eat at. Come on. What kind of church do we want to be? What kind of family do we want to be? What kind of gathering do we want to be? A lot of things with no meal prepared or just a few things. But there is a meal that is prepared and it's going to burn deep inside of you. Come and eat with us. Who's hungry? Who's hungry? Who's hungry? (laughs) Man, just get around some hungry people. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. I am sure there has to be someone here that does. Get around that person and hopefully you'll start eating from that table. Or was I? Let our reason for gathering be to share in our hunger and our burning for him. Go back to that and visit that. Am I I hungrier today than I was yesterday? Am I burning today more than I was yesterday? Am I nearer to him today than I was yesterday? Amen? And when this fire is in us, write this down. Let it kindle. Let it kindle. Let it kindle. Let it kindle. Seriously. Let it kindle. The worst thing that you could do is put that fire under a lampstand and it's put that fire under your bed or hide it in your closet. But grab that fire and let it kindle. Let that fire fan it. Let that fire and let it burn up the whole house. Let that fire, let every room be burned up. Let that kindle. The worst thing you could do is shut your fire or dim your fire. I'm talking about let it kindle. Let it kindle, why do I want it to let it kindle because then you grab the definition of kindle and when I say let that fire kindle, it literally means this, let that fire arouse and let that fire inspire let it kindle, because the greatest way that you can inspire someone is by the fire that burns in you, you we have gifts and we have talents and you have a special thing about you but I promise you that the greatest thing that you could offer someone else is the fire that's kindling inside of you let it kindle let it kindle. Come on, because if your fire is being shut today, you need to run up here and say, come on, I need someone to believe for me, and I want you to fan it so that it could inspire again and it could arouse again in me. And why do we want it to kindle, arouse, and inspire? Because you know what happens with kindling fire? Other people see it. And it's not that we do it so that other people could see it, but that we do it so if they get close enough, they too may be burned. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't want a fire in me just so that someone could see it, but hopefully there's a fire in me that if I just rub on you one day, maybe you'll catch a fire. Maybe. And that's okay because it's inspired you now and it's aroused something in you to wake up now. And it's caused you to see things now and it's caused you to have a vision that you never had. It's caused you to see life when all you saw was death. It's caused you to see light when all you saw was darkness. It's caused you to look up when all you was doing was looking down. That maybe a fire could kindle now in us that could inspire others. That others now, that that this is so important because conversations with some of you, I hear this a lot, that others that long to find a family that is burning would be aroused, would be inspired by the smoke that we give off when we come and eat at his table that they come to, to these meetings and that they go for it that they jump in and they say I want to burn and I want to be hungry the way you're hungry and, and I think that's awesome I think that's great I think that's what happened in Acts like we shared in worship how else did 3,000 people get saved and baptized no one prepared a message but everyone was ready to give a message that's crazy like, like how'd that happen there was a fire in them. We know that because just moments before that fire that was being, that, that's kindled is going to start inspiring others, they're just baking in that fire in that room. The others see that fire and run to it, and they begin to make fun of their fire. We have said that we, we, we want to start welcoming people to mock us because their mockery will, be, will begin to show proof of God's promise to us and God's prophetic word over us. Those guys are drunk with wine. You're right. The new wine, which is his wine, and, and um, it had nothing to do with any kind of alcohol. It had everything to do with being filled in his spirit. And they were there to mock him, mock them. But what they didn't know, right? Remember that preaching? Their mockery was actually God's proclamation over them. So, so we want to welcome mockers. But, but what's important is they were all burning together in that place. And when it was ready in time to inspire others and to kindle that fire and that others would get touched, next thing you know, there's a bunch of other people, too, that are now grabbing this Jesus and taking it to their regions. So beautiful. I want that in our lives. I want that deeper in my life. That for however long God wants to do this, that if we have to, we can do less, but we could become more rather than by doing more and becoming less. And that in that place, the Lord will permit us to a place where we become more and then we could do more. I don't want to do so much that I lose in becoming more, but I want to do more because there's more in me. Outside of that, I don't want anything, but but let it begin with this, guys. Back to our mission statement. With an undisputed love in us that is set ablaze for him and then for others. That they may become burning ones as well. That they may become burning ones as well. Jesus was on that. Remember worship? If you were here for worship, we, we shared a word. Jesus was on that mountain with that woman at that well. And what did she do with that fire? She took it back. She literally burned all of Samaria. She, she went over there and she set a fire to Samaria, like a bunch of Samaritans. Just, she became the first evangelist over there. People were just being saved because of the testimony of this woman. That's crazy because there was a fire in her that caused the leadership, the men of that town and the leadership of that town to come and see for themselves what is this that she's talking about. And they too got smoked up by that fire. And they take it back. And some, now the Gentiles are starting to receive the gospel and receive the presence of the Lord. The Gentiles, when it was only found in the Jews. It's such a beautiful thing. Let it begin with this. Let, let, so we could now also, others could become burning ones. But, but I want to get into some scripture. How about if I tell you that, that becoming more is by actually doing and, and, and being less. Or better, if I say, maybe i say it this way. That you don't grow so much or, or allow your growth to miss it because your mind and your heart set itself to be more superior. Maybe I could explain that this way. That that it's good to become smarter and more knowledgeable, but don't allow your knowledge and don't outsmart what maybe the Lord is trying to do or to speak amongst us. That the true growth and to find a place where your love returns, where fire is set ablaze again for him, is found in becoming, well, well, here's kind of where I want to ride on for a moment and bounce back from our mission statement. How do I set this fire again in my heart like you're saying it? How can I grow in this like you're saying it? Well, maybe it's not by anything else but by becoming childlike again. Childlike again. I'll give you some stories in a moment, but childlike again. That we we come to a place in the Lord, in in our relationship with the Lord, that listen to this, that depth, discipleship studies, even seminary or any kind of ministry is not necessarily the answer to these things. It's not found to these things. But that these things can be found in a place saying, well, Lord, make me childlike. Totally different than childish. Amen? Um, I want to go to Luke chapter 10 for a moment. And I want to read Luke 10. And I want to start off on verse 21. And we're just going to read from there. Once you're there, give me an amen. Luke 10, 21. In Luke 10 <clears throat> 21, we're gonna go ahead and read some of these verses. And and let's just check this out for a moment. It says, At at the same okay, by the way, this is in, in Luke, and it's found right after Jesus sends out 72 of his followers, disciples, to go spread the word into different regions. And they come back, right? Oh man, we saw we saw demons be casted out, we saw miracles, and all these things. They're like, Wow, we saw this, we saw that. And Jesus tells them, listen, I saw Satan fall from heaven. Don't come boasting over here. He, he says, I've given you authority over the power of the enemy. You can walk among snakes and scorpions, crush them, nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered, are written in heaven. Amen? Kind of like a, like a teachable moment. If you want to call it a rebuke, then go ahead. <clears throat> but in, right after that, it says this as the Lord starts to pray a prayer of what is a prayer of gratitude or thanksgiving. Listen to this. 21 says, at the same time, <clears throat> Jesus was filled with joy. <clears throat> I love how it describes where the joy comes from. Jesus was filled with joy of the Holy Spirit. And he said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you, guys, that you would hear this. Okay, Thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever." and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. So beautiful. So good. That here's Jesus and he says something that's, that's very interesting because he's praying with thanksgiving and gratitude to the Father. And he's telling them, thank you, and I'm so grateful that you hid these mysteries. You kept these things. From the ones who think they know it all. Remember how I said so much knowledge that you outsmart what the Lord is really trying to do? From the clever and from the wise, and you're revealing it to those who are childlike. And you look at them and say, well, why would you reveal it to the children? Or to those who are like children? Wouldn't you want to reveal it to the adults in the room? But Jesus is like, no, not them, but the childlike. You kept it for them. And it pleased you to do it that way. So so we're going to continue to read this and flow through this passage. But, but, but I read this and I wrote this in my notes that we'd be childlike again in what we've been speaking about. That we'd be childlike again even in your place of worship. That you'd be childlike again in your place of devotion. That you'd be childlike again in our gatherings. That we'd be childlike again in, in anything that deals with our faith, our walk, and our, and our time, our it with the Lord. That, that all of our being before our God would be childlike. I guess, I guess I could describe it as, like, sit around the father, sit around him, and jump on his lap. Like, when we get to adults, like, it's weird. Like, we just stop doing things. I love my father to death, but, but I just don't jump on his lap like I used to jump on his lap when I was little. I just feel like if we go to Flanagan's right after, di- after church today, and they ask me, like, what do you want to say? I'm like, I'm good on dad's lap. Okay. I think that's going to be awkward for the person serving us. And then I think it's going to be awkward for the persons around us looking at me sitting on dad's lap. But there's something about being a childlike that the Lord is saying, like, don't grow so much that you feel you can't sit on daddy's lap anymore. And do the things that where dad could just feed you again. And do a little, you know, when I was little, I'm, I'm experiencing this with my children, I used to love to be tickled, you know, and, and us. Hispanics, coquitas, and all those things, and and I used to lay down, and, and you know, come on, just rub me on my back or or, or places, whatever, and um and, and and sometimes you would fall like fall asleep doing that. I think it would be weird if um we go watch a movie together, all of us, and I and my dad, and I sit next to my dad, and I dad just I'm gonna lift up my shirt a little bit, <laughs> and I and I lay on his lap, and he just starts to tickle my back and tickle my neck and my ears. And I look at you and say, you enjoying the movie? <laughs> okay. But, but I think that when we come to the place of relationship and intimacy, in the place of, Lord, just me and you, it, it's, it's totally different than the dynamics here on earth. Where on, With our father, in my 30s, it would be weird to lay on his lap and say, tickle me like I used to when I was 8. But, but now in my 30s, I could go back to the place when I was eight and I could run up to the presence, be with the presence of my father and say, I'm just going to lift up my shirt a little bit and be weird again with you. And I want you to tickle my back and my neck and my ears and do me that little stuff you do in my head because there's something that happens in this intimacy with me and you, father, that I want to be just weird again and intimate again. And I want to be here as long as it takes again with you. What I'm trying to say is sit with dad again, eat with dad again play around with him again. I love when my son jumps on me and he starts to fight with me. My wife gets nervous, but I said, this is how us boys do intimacy. And we wrestle and he pulls my beard now and he grabs my hair. I went a little bit too much yesterday and I cut him up a little bit, but, but <laughs> I think I'm mad. I won it. I won yesterday. But, and we go at it. And, 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 and he knows that at the end of the day, he's going to lay with me and I love him. And I know that at the end of the day, he loves me. But there is something that happens to, forget him. He's back there and he has no idea. There's something that happens to me when my son jumps on me and says, come on, I'm Mario. And you're, what's that do with the shell? You're Bowser. He loves that now. And and I don't even know what Bowser does, so I make noises. And There's something that becomes alive even in the father when the son desires to do funny things with him again. Like there's something that happens with the son when the father says, I'll entertain that for a little bit. I challenge you to sit around the father, and you'll be amazed that he might start entertaining your little dates with him. And What do you want me to be, God? I just want you to be childlike again. You got so much into this faith, so much knowledge, so grown up that you forgot what it meant to eat at my table. You forgot what it meant for me to tickle you. You forgot what it meant to me to whisper things in your ear. You forgot what it means to be in the presence of Abba. I just want you to sit down again with me the way you used to always sit. What happened to you that you thought that you were too grown up for me? No matter how old you get, I'm older than you. And you'll always be my childhood. Man, I wish we would just sit with him again. And maybe that's all it takes. How can I burn again? Easy. Do weird things with the dad again. Weird things. I mean, serious. And I know this is being recorded, so there's some things I don't want to say. But but do weird things. (laughs) I'll share with them after. Maybe I shouldn't. Believe all things. Believe all things. When I was little, you could fool me. They could do whatever they want. Fathers and uncles and men, people you looked up to, I believe it. One day I was at the moon. I, 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 believe I could tell my son right now, when you were in the kids' room, the whole. I took the whole church to the moon. You know what my son would say? He wouldn't say, you're lying. He wouldn't. He would say, and you didn't take me, Dad? I promise you that would be my son's reaction. He believes what the Father tells It's weird. Come to the place with Father, you just believe it again. You believe all things. You believe all things. I mean, he's not going to lie to you like that, like I might do with Jackson messing around, but that you could trust him in all things. Because I know that I'm sitting in a room with people that struggle with trust. But he's telling you and he's inviting you to sit with him and trust him again. Like you used to when you were little. Like you used to when you first met him and your heart was on fire and used to trust all things. Come on, because how many of you when you first came to the Lord, your heart was so on fire that you said, I'm going to take the gospel to Africa and I'll die for Jesus if I need to. How many of you said that one time? Have you done it? What made you say, not that that was wrong, but what made you say that? I believe it was a fire that was in you again. You were a child and you, you fell in love and you were like, I'm going to go. And if it takes me to die for him, I'll die for him. And then 15 years passed and like, I didn't, never went, <laughs> never died for him. It's not wrong, but I want to go back to what made you say that statement. Because I don't want you to go to Africa and do that if God didn't call you, but I want you to speak like that again. I want you to believe in those things and trust in those things. How do you do that? Get with, get with him again. Run. Hey, one of my greatest experiences, one of my greatest feelings in life is when I walk into the room and I see this. Dada! And they, and they run. Very rare. If they're, if, but when they're in the mood and they say, dada! And their arms are raised and they're running at me. Man, who cares with what I walked into that house with. That right there was it. That was it. Walk into the room again, lift up your hands like a crazy child and start to scream "Dada" again and run into his arms of love that he has for you. Come on, be childlike again. Don't become something or someone that you've lost the burn in your heart in just being his child, that you've lost it and just being his child. Let's keep reading, because then we'll never get out of here. Verse 22, it says, My father has entrusted, uh, Luke 10, 22, My father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father, and no one truly knows the father except the son, and those to whom the son chose to reveal. Come on, like, read this. It's, it's, it's a relationship of son and father, and father and son, and sons know the fathers, and fathers know the sons. When we stand before him, the father will know his sons. And when you stand before him, no one do you know when you get into his presence, no one in that room is gonna, you've never seen him, but no one in that room is gonna have to show you which one is he? As if you are a son, if you are a daughter, as soon as you step into that throne, you're gonna know exactly who father is. Without anyone having to introduce you. You're going to know exactly who he is, and he's going to know exactly who you are. Come on, sons know the father. The father knows the son. I mean, I had that experience with, with Jackson. I don't know if that was a God thing or a father thing or son thing, but I was, I was, I don't know how far away from him. And I was in one room, and he's in the other room. And at 4 in the morning, I jumped out of my bed. I said, I heard something. And then says, what? I'm like, I heard something. And I hear it again. I said, it's Jackson when I run to his room, he's there and he's shaking when he was having that seizure. And I brought him back to our bed and I laid him there and we started to deal with the situation. There was something inside father that erupted for the son that was in the other room. I don't know what it was. He didn't scream data. But there was something in my spirit that was telling me something over there with son is going on. I mean, that relationship with you and father could happen in the spiritual. That man, you guys could be so in tune that that I'm talking about, come here, if if we say prayers like on heaven, uh, let it be here on earth as it is in heaven, how can we not believe those things? If I have that kind of relationship that happened like that at four in the morning with son, how can I say on earth as it is in heaven and not believe that I and the father could have that same relationship here on earth as it is in heaven? I feel like maybe we didn't get that, but I want to make sure you understand that, that it could happen, but let's keep reading. It says that when they were alone, he turned to the disciples and he said, blessed, this is so beautiful, blessed are the eyes that see what you have seen. Man, look what Jesus is telling them. I tell you, many prophets and kings long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. I, 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 I'm not even lying to you. This is exactly what I wrote. I want to live here. That's exactly what I wrote. I Want to live here, where Where my eyes see what others have not seen, where well, my ears hear what others long to hear, my eyes see what others long to see. I want to live there, that I see things that others long and I hear things that others long. I, I think about um, I think about First Corinthians two. When he says, no eye has seen nor ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Manda was sharing a cool story with me today. I said, I could have sworn I just saw you on social media eating an ice cream at Disney World. He says, I was. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I just got here. I said, okay. That's cool, man. Crazy people like that are awesome. And then I said, I said, so what did that look like? I don't know. I just grabbed everyone on Friday at whatever time it was. I said, come on. Let's all roll. We're going to go to Disney. And they all took off, and, and he ate that ice cream, which I was a little jealous, but <laughs> they had a good time. And it was just a, it was just a sporadic thing. I, I believe that as father, something became alive in him. And, and he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my children, I'm going to let my family see things they never seen, hear things, watch this, I'm going to just surprise them with something that they would have never thought that maybe dad would surprise them. Come on, everyone, we have five minutes. Pack your bags, we're out of here. That's just a little earthly illustration. And next thing you know, from, from four hours later, they're, they're at a park. That's crazy. But, but something happened in the father's heart that he wanted to pour something to his family. And he said, I don't know, I felt today in my heart just take all of you, let's go. And they kind of just went. Why wouldn't they? And I feel like the Father kind of has the same heart for us, where he says, come on, I want to just take you, and I want to just show you. And, you, and you're going to be like, all right, I'm ready to go. And, and it, it can be and it may be things that no eye has seen or no ear has heard, and then the mockers come and say, you're weird, and you're like, I know. I just see different than you see, and I hear different than you hear. Because Daddy has allowed it for me. I said, "You're weird, because you don't sit on his lap anymore. You're weird, because you don't mess with his hair no more." Come here. Come here. Let's see if he runs to me. Come over here, Jackson. Ah, oh, forget it. Forget it. I don't want. I don't want to get like that. Forget it. He's good. Come here, man. Everything okay? Yeah. All right. So, but. I wanted to ask him some questions, but he's not going to answer them. Jackson, we just came back from the moon. <laughs> so yeah, He had to hear it. But seriously, that we would just get back with the Father. Amen? All right, let's keep going, guys. <clears throat> um, let's keep reading here. Uh, let's flow through uh, 25 on. It says one day, because this is right after all of Thanksgiving, some days later, this is a cool encounter, and I'm going to relate it to everything we're talking about, and I'm going to wrap it up with our... Mission statement. It says, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? 26, same chapter. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say and how do you read it? Verse 27, the man answers, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. These are the verses that we got our mission statement from. And that you will love your neighbor as yourself. Or even our, our little um, rubber wristband say, love God, love people. Verse 28, he says, Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Look at verse 29. Everyone, look at verse 29. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So so there's an amazing encounter that happens here in Matthew chapter 20, verse 36, um, chapter 27, verse 36. It gives us the same encounter here in Luke. And Matthew says it this way where the the man comes up to Jesus and says, What is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest teaching you've ever taught? On this, in Luke, Luke says it this way He says, "Um, What does the law of Moses say? How I should inherit eternal life. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So, so here is this man, and he's asking Jesus, this, what is the greatest, the most important commandment? And, and Jesus' answer is what? It is to burn in the fire of undisputed love for me. Think about that. It is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. The man comes up to Jesus, and he says, come on, what do I have to do so that I could have life? And Jesus says, burn. What? Yeah burn in love burn in this undisputed unchallengeable love for me verse 29 everyone put your eyes back on verse 29 verse 29 is horrifying verse 29 is sad verse 29 is 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 i don't know if you're it but get out of verse 29 if you can relate to this but the man in verse 26 says he wanted to justify his actions he wanted to justify. This whole conversation, it was about nothing about what was going on inside of him. He just wanted to justify his sinful life. He was a religious man maybe, but yet he was sinful deep down, rotted in his bones. And, and he comes up to Jesus and he wants to justify his actions. So I thought about this as I read this passage. and I said, what are we justifying in our lives that is limiting our hearts to burn again? What is, what is it that we're justifying and say, well, it's, I'm always going to be like this, or this is how it's... What? None of that even matters with the Lord's burn inside of you. What is it that we are justifying in our lives? Are you satisfied with just our lives, satisfied with just knowing Him as our salvation? Like, you're still going to get to heaven, don't get me wrong. Are we just satisfied with just getting to heaven? Like, do we want to live the rest of our lives here on earth satisfied with just getting to heaven? Or, or do we, in us, is there something, is there a cry that is happening for more, and do we want to hear this call in us that's telling, yeah, yeah, I feel something in me that's saying there's more for you, go for it, I'm going to bring you tears again, or is just, oh, I'm saved, I'm good for the rest of my life, or is there something in you that's, that's irking you the wrong way, that you know it's God saying, come on, come on, I want to reveal, I want you to see things that others wished and hear things that others wish they could hear. There's so much more. There's no reason to justify your actions missing out, limiting your heart from burning. I'm going to give you something. When the man says, when when the scripture says, and he was saying this to justify his actions, that is not childlike. That is childish. A childish person will come before the presence of God and try to justify their life. But a childlike person does the total opposite. Who cares about whatever I'm carrying before you? I just want to be more like you. And I just want to feel more of this. So this reaction to this man in verse 29 is childish. But entering into this lifestyle that he's giving us this permission to be to, to more of him and to get weird with him and jump on his lap again, that's called childlike, not child. Don't ever confuse someone that is up here weeping for an hour when you can't get to a place of weeping as childish. No, that's childlike. The person that is childish is the one that's hard in their heart that says, I will not surrender the things to God. That's childish. But the childlike is the one that is broken and is humbled before the presence of God. That's the childlike. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I wanna to go to Acts real quick. I'm gonna jump around because I wanna show you a great example of something. To ignite an authentic love for God and people might be found in the place where I'm postured in childlike. Martha was in the kitchen cooking up a good meal ready to serve the whole family and serve everyone that was coming to the house. But she thought she was doing the adult thing to do the thing that was right. While her sister Mary at the feet just there listening to Jesus like a child receiving everything that Jesus has to say. And when she's confronted by Jesus, she says, you're wrong, she's right. I've called her to a childlike posture when you've adulted yourself so much that you can't even get to the posture where your sister's at. Get back to the ground and mess around with father again. Get back to childlike again. Get back to the feet again. So let's go to Stephen, for example. I can't read you the whole story, but I definitely wanted to talk about Stephen because God put a desire, for, uh, something in my heart to share this today. But Stephen is a special person as we talk about childlike. And, and uh, as soon as I, I read through this, we're going to wrap this, but, but I want you to see something. A quick summary of what's happening here is the church is growing now because we're in Act 6. There's thousands of people now because of what happened after the day of Pentecost. So there's a dispute that's happening amongst the church. Some of the people are not being served, some of the widows. So the disciples, who are the preachers, they said, well, we got to just preach the word. We can't serve the church in all these ways that they want us to serve. So what they did was they presented the problem to the church, to the assembly, to the family, and they said, we want you to vote and pick seven men among you. Men that are full of wisdom and are filled with the Holy Spirit, that is it. They were not men that had to go to any other, I mean, just look at the, look at the criteria to, to become one of these men. Full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. If they got those two things, pick them. So they picked seven men, one of them is Stephen. Scripture goes on in Acts chapter 6, look at verse 5. It says, everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following. The first person that is mentioned in Acts 6 is Stephen. Stephen, number one, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Wow. When I read a man full of faith, you know what I wrote right next to that? It sounds like a man who was childlike. Because when you talk about childlike, what comes with childlike? Childlike faith. Childlike, and you could answer all the blanks that comes with childlike. But there was something of Stephen that of faith And it was almost a faith of a child that could believe all things. And and he's full of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read to you. We're going to skip now to verse uh, chapter 7. And I want you to see a snippet. Uh, Many of you have seen this already. But I want you to see an encounter of Stephen's life. Stephen now is a deacon and is a server. He's basically a slave to the church. And as the early deacon of this church, he... He preaches the Lord and he preaches the gospel. And Stephen is special because he's preaching Jesus and he doesn't back down. And what happens with Stephen is that gets him in a lot of trouble. The religious leaders of the temple come to Stephen and they all have rocks in their hands. And they say, we don't like what you're saying. And they start to claim that he was causing, speaking blasphemy. And they're about to stone Stephen. And Stephen sees these very powerful men standing, I mean powerful. They had a lot of money. They, had, they, they were high up in the religious system. These were powerful men standing before him. You would think that's, that Stephen would back that. You wanna know why I know our faith is the real faith? Because when someone is willing to die for it and doesn't recant, and then they sing songs at the cross hung upside down. I mean, that shows you that our faith is real. When Stephen stands before people that are about to murder him, and he continues to speak the truth of Jesus Christ without backing down, that proves to me why no other prophet, why no other God, why no other throne, why the one that is real is Jesus. Because because we've never seen stories of people like this that they do for Christ where they don't recant even to the place of being burned alive. Instead, they start singing songs of worship in the place of them being burned. So Stephen is at this place, ready to be killed. I'm going to fly right through this. Verse 51. Look at some of the things that he tells him. Verse 51 says, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart, and you are deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you deceived it from the hands of angels. 54, the Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fist at him in rage. 55, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed. Everyone say gazed. Gazed steadily into heaven, and he saw the glory of God, and he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he told them, look... I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 57, then they put their hands over their ears. They began shouting, and they rushed at him, and they dragged him out of the city, and they began to stone him. His accusers took off their coats, and they laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. Verse 59, and they stoned him, and Stephen being stoned, praised, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. My God. Stephen. Stephen. Let me explain to you what I'm talking about here. Stephen. Stephen. We're, We're talking about a deacon, a servant, a slave to the church. And this is what they were made of. This is what they were made of. The the lowly position of a servant. We're not talking about an apostle. We're not talking about some sort of pastor, evangelist, etc. We're talking about this person who decided to take on the, the position of, I'm willing to be a slave to the family, to the church. But at the end of his life, he was fixed upon the greatest thing and the greatest posture that we've ever seen in the New Testament church. He's at the place of death. And at the place of death, what does he see? In the midst of his, about to be murdered, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And what does he say next? Jesus, strike them all dead. No, forgive them. For they don't even know what they're doing. Here is Stephen. And the scripture says that, he gazed. What, what verse was that again that I, that I said he gazed? Chapter 7, verse 50, 55. It says, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven. What a posture that is. The word gaze in the Greek, adenizo, means to behold earnestly. Here is Stephen at the point of death. And the one thing that we know of him. So the point of his death is, what can you say about Stephen? He definitely knew how to take the posture of gazing unto the Lord. He, he, he definitely understood that at the end of his life, if there's anything in me that's gonna have any kind of glory, it is that I'm going to behold the one who stands at the right hand of the Father. And I see him. And the scripture made sure to tell us he gazes earnestly and he sees the Lord in glory. And he says, men, I see the king. That lives in me, reigning. He's he's gazed in the presence of the Lord. He's beholding earnestly. He was fixed upon. Here's the greatest posture in the New Testament church, Stephen, in the point of death. All he could focus on is I see Jesus. I see Jesus. I see Jesus and I see my Father. Just think about that for a moment. How, how weird was Stephen to come to a place of where he was and what he confesses out of his mouth is, I see him. I've beheld him. And I, and I want to drop this on your heart because it was dropped in mine and it, and it touched me. I heard one of my favorite preachers say this, it's illegal, it's illegal to behold if you have not surrendered to be held. That you have to be held in order to behold. And I thought about that phrase for weeks now when I heard it for the first time. And it got me to a place this week to say I can't think of a more childlike phrase than that. It's illegal to behold. I see him standing at the right hand of the Father. If Stephen, in the places of quiet devotion and intimacy with his beloved, he was being rocked and swayed back and forth by the Lord because he knew what it was to be held. So at the point of his death, he understood what it meant to behold the presence of God. What was it about Stephen? To ignite an authentic love for God and for people. All in that passage. How do I know that? To ignite there was a fire in him In this love that was unchallenged. You're going to kill me, but you can't challenge this love. It's undisputed love. And he sees the Lord. He's beholding because he's been beheld. And then what does he say? Love God, love people. To ignite an authentic love for God and people. What does Stephen do next? Lord, forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing. That was his mission statement too. It doesn't sound childish to me. I'm, I'm done. I don't have much more to say. I've settled off today. But everything about this does sound childlike. And maybe you're here today and you know that there needs to be something in you that burns again. You know there's something in you that says, I, I need to have this childlike in me again. I need to be consumed by him again. I, I want to invite you to that place. But to be honest with you, it's nothing that I can do or anyone here can do. It's a place of where you come to him and, um, and you just get with the Father and say, Lord, I, I just want to get seated with you in a place of what might look weird and sound weird and be weird. But Lord, I, I want to, here it is, guys. I want to be held so that I can live the rest of my life beholding and gazing upon you earnestly. I want to behold you. And Lord, I I want this fire in me, I want this thing in me to cause a fire, I want this ignition in me, and and I want this fire for this authentic, undisputed, unmistakable, undeniable love to burn inside of me for you. That I could behold you because I'm beheld by you. I'm held by you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me and as we wrap it up, if the team wants to come up here, we'll go ahead and do that now. And And I want you just to examine, fully just examine your heart. And as we challenged you with this, is there something in you that is saying anything that we've said today? From the place of saying, Lord, I I, want to behold earnestly. But in order for that, Lord, it's illegal to behold if I haven't surrendered myself to be held. So I come to the place this Afternoon to a place to be held so that I could burn on fire so that I could be childlike again and so that I could behold and gaze earnestly upon you. Ignite in me an authentic love for you. Let it happen now deep within my soul deep within my core let there be a fire that cannot be justified I'm tired of being childish I'm tired of justifying my actions and my thoughts but here I am at a place Lord make me childlike so that I can receive your promises, your revelation and your fire over my life I want you to examine yourself. If you feel like that's you and you want to take that call today, I'm going to invite you to say, that's me, I want you to come up and we want to pray with you. And we want to maybe fan that fire and maybe some, that kindle happens where it arouses. Maybe you're already burning and you could pray, Lord, let my fire burn even brighter even deeper let it point to the core places of my life in which I'm justifying that I come before you childlike like Stephen at the place of whatever might come before me I could stand before them and say I see the Lord I behold him earnestly and that's because I've gone and I live in that lifestyle, in that, in that being held. Let your children come to daddy again. Let them come into your presence again. Let them be filled, filled with your goodness again. Let there be a fire. If that's you, we want to pray for you today. And we want to believe in fan. That flame in you and say, Lord, let it burn. And if they're not burning, Lord, set a fire deep in them. And let them behold because they've they've understood, beheld. Ignite an authentic love for you in them. Let there be a fire that erupts in them. That is undisputed. Hallelujah. We're going to spend a moment in worship. And as we do, go ahead and seek the Lord for a few minutes. Go ahead and give him your heart. Go ahead and give him all of your being. And say, Lord, I heard something today that I know you're calling me to. I'm going to come in. I want to sit around you again. I want to hunger again. I want to burn again. Ignite in me an authentic love. Hallelujah. Start praying that. Come on, everyone in here, just start praying. Lift up your hands if you want. Lift up your hearts and just begin to pray, begin to intercede, and begin to cry out to your King. Hallelujah.